This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast, where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Welcome back. You're joined by myself, Sam, from Motive Partners, and Fahd Rashidi from Abaca. Welcome, Fahd. Thank you. Good morning. Fahd, I've been looking forward to this this one a great deal. You've got one of the most varied backgrounds I've come across so far. You went from being a trader, I think with a, a French bank, to being an ECB macroeconomist, to being in investment management, an entrepreneur, a CIO, and back to being an entrepreneur and the CEO and founder of Abaca. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Yeah, I've always wanted to experience and experiment different things. I come from a very modest background. So when I started my career, I had a job as a trader, uh, which was, as you can imagine, very well paid at the time in 2000. And so I took it without really thinking about it. But it helped me pay back the house of my parents. It helped me, you know, help my brothers go into school and pay for their educations as well. And so the money was very attractive, but in the end, after a few years, you know, I didn't really enjoy the job, so I left. And then I went on to something probably more intellectually challenging. And my background is I graduated as an engineer in France. And so very passionate about numbers, you know, science. And I got off a job at the European Central Bank to work on the financial models and impacts of monetary decisions on stock markets. So I took it. I worked there for about four years. And then, you know, working for a public organization is very different than working in the private sector. So I learned a lot from that experience. And then I realized I actually really want to do something for myself, but also doing something that has an impact to other people's life. And that's really something that drives me on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. And so starting up a business or, you know, being an entrepreneur is one way to do that as well. And the most important thing I take on from the experience of being an entrepreneur is offering a job to someone. That's uh, very important. That makes me very happy. It's, you know, helping people's life, helping them in Mm -hmm. their career. And so I take great pride into making an offer to someone who wants to join our adventure, our journey. And so, yeah, that's a diverse background. But in the end, I think, you know, this is how you learn in business, in life in general. It's by doing many things and finding out what you like the most. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Let's let's dig into one of those quickly. Scientific Beta, one of your first uh, personal uh, endeavors. Tell us a little bit about that story. What was it? What was the journey like? What was the exit like? Sure. So Scientific Beta is a, an index platform for pension funds. And so in 2009, right after the financial crisis, the wave from asset owners and investors, which basically moved their assets from active management to passive management, drastically accelerated. So we saw a business opportunity there, which is building automated investment strategies and index-based strategies for pension funds, enabling them to invest in passive investing or self-indexing investment strategies at scale, which is what we built. And uh, today the platform manages uh, 60 billion 
It's one of the leading platform in, in factor investing or smart beta investing. I've exited the business. The existing founders bought me out, basically. The business is still ongoing. Actually, uh, my previous business partner there now is an investor in Abaca. You know, Motive Partners is also very famous for one thing, which is networking. You know, networks are extremely important for entrepreneurs and to build and scale companies. And so I've always made sure, you know, that throughout my life, we work hard on that part. And it's great to see that, you know, when you have previous business partners, we're now doing business together. 100%. So you talked for a moment about pensions, and that's kind of, I guess, where you started thinking more in depth about what pensions mean to individuals and how important they are to the underlying foundations of the economy. I wrote a paper with Adam French of Scalable Capital, I think nearly a couple of years ago now, which for me was a really illuminating factor around the UK pension crisis. And I guess and I want to talk to you about, firstly, some of the macro drivers. But one of the things that really brought the pension issue to life for me, which, let's be honest, is a pretty dull topic for the average person on the street. What really made it exciting for me was was understanding the problem. You have the average person in the UK who earns less than £30,000 a year. The average person saves less than 3% of their annual salary. That means it takes 30 years to save less than £30,000 for their retirement. That's a huge issue. Yeah. And I remember in 2016, I think it was Aviva, did a study on the European pension gap, which at the time, three years ago, was just over $2 trillion. I mean, that, that is a terrifying thought. And with an aging population and an increasingly competitive workplace and technology influencing that, it's going to get even worse. So can you just talk to us less about the business but more about the drivers. What does this mean to you? Sure. Well, first, personally, I'm very passionate about this topic. My dad never had a pension. As I said, we come from a very modest background. Mm. And he basically never understood how pensions work. It was hard for him to get access to information or to get access to help to understand how pensions work. He had an accident at work. So, you know, he was in a situation where at the time when it was important to make decisions on what are my options at retirement or what can I do to get a decent pension. It was too late and no one was there pretty much to help him. And so unfortunately today, this is the situation of probably over 95, 98% of the, the population. And that, Sam, not just the UK, it's global. There was a, a report from the World Economic Forum on the retirement savings gap in 35 years time, the retirement savings gap is going to be around 400 trillion US dollars, 25 trillions in the UK, that's 10 times the size of the GDP. And that's basically a problem in Asia, in Europe, in emerging markets, in the US, everywhere, and it's not going away. It's a huge socioeconomic problem for individuals because they are not prepared they are not saving enough for retirement, as you mentioned, but for the industry itself and for governments. Because in the end, you know, if we expect people to work for the rest of their life, you know, without any decent time for enjoying your family, your grandchildren, etc., that's going to be a big issue. And both governments and industries are going to have to foot the bill. So you can't do nothing about it. We have to act today. 35 years is tomorrow. Okay. And this is what people are starting to work today. 
that's their future. Mm. Mm. And that's <laughs> and that's a real concern. So are you going to work some until I don't know, you're 85. Obviously people live Probably. longer. <laughs> people live longer. Yeah. <laughs> and the time they spend in retirement is longer, but you do expect at some point to take some time off to you know enjoy time with your family. Yeah. You've been working all your life. The last thing you expect is when times come, you think to yourself, well, I'm struggling every month. My professional career is behind me and I can't make it. And so politicians, the industry, everyone has a responsibility here. And that's what we need to solve together. And that's the premise on which Abaca was built. We are doing our small part, as I say, you know, having an impact on people's life is extremely important for us. We are very modest and very humble on what we're doing, but I think this is something extremely important for the future. You make a really good point. It, this is everyone's responsibility. The government have been slow to act. We promised each other before this that we wouldn't talk too much about politics and particularly with the work and pensions minister resigning. Well, in retirement, you can't really avoid that. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So. Exactly. And we'll talk a little bit more about what others are doing. But let's focus just for a minute about what Abac is doing. Could you talk us through, do the, the kind of maybe the high level, the elevator pitch, sure. and a little bit about the product itself, who you're selling to, who are your partners. Yeah, give us the, uh, the kind of snapshot of Abaca, if you can. Okay. Yeah, sure. So Abaca is an enterprise platform. We've built an AI-powered cloud-native technology for digital retirement solutions. So we help financial institutions have access to a huge library of modular apps. And with those applications and with our technology, they can build amazing customer experiences to help educate, engage, and empower their customers. People like my dad can be now interested in a topic, as you said, that is very boring, retirement. Millennials can start thinking about retirement in advance and plan for the long term. And everyone can have access now to digital solutions that can really help change their financial life and help them save and get ready for retirement. Did you know Motive Partners has a weekly newsletter? It's called Brain Food. It comes out every Sunday morning and it's packed with all the things you need to know about financial services and technology. You can subscribe at motivepartners.com. And when you talk about financial institutions that you work with, selling your enterprise platform to them, what sort of financial institutions are we talking? So we're talking large pension providers. We're talking even banks that are providing retirement solutions to their retail customers. We're talking asset managers, wealth managers. So the industry that basically provides retirement solutions to their customers. Are you able to, and you're allowed to say no, are you able to tell us who some of those partners are today? Sure, yeah. So we work with Master Trust in the UK. So companies like Salvus, Small Master Trust. We work with pension providers, Legal and General, HSBC. We work with also partners such as Avalok, for example, it's a core banking platform. We know, we know uh, well, it's in our portfolio. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, our technology working with core banking systems or custodians is extremely important for us to create seamless experiences for our enterprise clients. They can have access to cloud-based solutions that are already 
integrated with their backend, so it facilitates the engagement with them. We also work with large employee benefit platforms. And that's because people access their pensions primarily through their employers. Their employers are saving with them for retirement. Most individuals have access to their pensions through the workplace. And so employee benefit platforms and pension providers are a key provider of those solutions. Mm -hmm. Employee benefit providers help us distribute our technology through employees, and we help them provide financial wellness solutions at the workplace. One of the key, uh, one of our biggest clients is a benefit hub, for example. Yeah. It's a large platform in the US, probably the biggest. They have clients, employers such as Walmart, Caterpillar, uh, Xerox, etc. In the UK, Amazon, and you know, employees through their portal can access a range of solutions, mm. and including digital retirement solutions. It's really encouraging to hear you talk about human capital functions thinking and benefits functions thinking about this sort of stuff. We've, over recent years, become kind of obsessed with these short-term incentives, these sort of the glamorous incentives that you're going to get free meals or, you know, work from home. And actually, I think the important ones and the responsibility of the companies that employ these people, that take pride in employing these people, is to make sure that they're going to be financially well over time. One of the scary statistics that's out there, you'll have an updated number, I'm sure, but over 21% of people have lost pension contributions because they can't track it. Is this something that Abaca helps help solve? Yeah, so two things. First, on the first part of your question, that's true, Sam. We live in a world of instant gratification, and that's not very helpful for the retirement industry or for the long-term savings industry. So what we've built with our technology and leveraging the work of the likes of Richard Thaler, the Economics Nobel Prize on behavioral science, it's finding way to nudge people on an ongoing basis so that they can drive actions and take decisions that has a long-term impact, right? So give you an example, you know, you're smoking, you're constantly smoking, you know, obviously, that this is really bad for your health, but you keep doing it. Yep. So Richard Taylor has designed a number of ideas and solutions on how to break these bad behaviors and help people take decision today that has an impact in 30 years time, for example. And that's very powerful for when we look at long-term savings and breaking down these bad habits of instant gratifications. It's tough, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. I have two kids, they're six and four, and I'm trying to do that from the beginning. But you can see that obviously yourself, sometimes you give in. You're like, okay, well, you know, I have other things to do. So I'm going to instantly gratify my child because it's easier. Yeah. Uh, but we don't teach them the right thing by doing that, unfortunately. And so, you know, it's a long-term thing and it's an ongoing thing. So, so you need to keep engaging constantly with your child or if you're a pension provider, with your clients, with your customers. And on your second point, that's true. A lot of people have actually lost sight of their pensions. In fact, on average in the UK, throughout their careers, people will have 11 jobs, which means probably 11 pension posts, if not more. Yeah. And so when you're 55, 56, 60, you know, you want to have a holistic view of what you have saved so far for your retirement, but you can't because 
all these pensions are fragmented and it's hard to get access to. And so we have built our own data aggregation technology, which helps people mm -hmm. trace and find their old pensions. And Abaca works also with the government initiative called the Pension Dashboard, which unfortunately has been delayed again. But don't worry, it's available on Abaca. And so if you are an individual today, you can consolidate and have a consolidated view of all your pensions in one place. And it's also exciting for a provider because, you know, you want to know more about your customers. You're not just interested into the small pension pot that you have with Legal and General. You also want to understand if this client of Legal and General has other pensions elsewhere, right? And that's extremely powerful to understand what is the personal situation of this individual to provide them with a more personalized experience. You know what I really love about what you just said? I remember when the pensions, I think it was Sir Stephen Webb who brought the pensions dashboard into play and then Guy Opperman took it over. When the government don't deliver, entrepreneurs have to step up. And I love, I love that Abaca is solving the problem that the government can't get their head around. Sam, it's not just the government that is not delivering, it's also the industry. Yeah, you know, we can't just say it's the government who's pushing that, well, uh, kicking you, down. You're, the, you're solving multiple you know, problems. The That's government the is problem. also against a number of large stakeholders who have no vested interest in sharing data. Mm -hmm. This is what happened with open banking, right? So unless you had a legislation basically forcing bank, in effect, to share data with third-party vendors, with other banks, and to enable customers to see all their bank accounts in one place, then do you think that would have happened? I don't think so. No, right? agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing with the pension dashboard. It has happened in other countries because the government has legislated and basically said to the industry, to the providers, well, you know, people want to have access to information. It's simple as that. And that's their pension, their data. So they should freely access it. So let's talk about regulation for a moment then. And this is useful for me because you're educating me all the time. What are the most liberating or restricting policies that are in place from a regulatory perspective at the moment around pensions? I, th I think generally speaking, and you see that both in the US, in Europe and in Asia, governments are trying to do more to help individuals have a better view of their retirement and to help them save Obviously, they have a vested interest in doing so because if you end up having a, a huge part of the population with no retirement savings, then you're going to have to foot the bill, you're going to have to raise taxes, and there's already a huge retirement savings gap. And so governments, generally speaking, are proactive. Now, from an industry perspective, and, and we put ourselves in that box, right? You might say, well, the legislation is too restrictive, But I think we need to find the right balance between something that is in the interest of customers and protecting their interests, for example, on having more competition in the market, for example, on having more transparency on how much does it cost to save for retirement. You know, you're mm. buying a car, mm. you know exactly what price you're paying, you know exactly what are the options that you have in your car. You can choose the color of the seats. You can choose the different options on the dashboard of your car. You know, you know exactly what you're buying. Now, how come people are paying more on their pensions than just buying a car, right? They're spending more money in costs and expenses and fees, but they have no clue what they're buying. It's incredible. 
So mm. we need more transparency. And of course, one way to do it is through legislation to make sure that it's transparent across the board. So the FCA is pushing in the UK in that direction, which is great. And some other proposals that are in the table, and one of them just passed in July, is on what is called investment pathways. So helping people understand what are their options at retirement. So this has to deal with the population that is now, well, basically the baby boomers that are now getting close to retirement. So most of them basically either take their money out of their pension pot and leave it in cash, which is a disaster. If you're 55, you take out your money, you leave it in cash, you're going to probably live another 20, 25 years. So you lose out massively on investment returns. So the FCA basically says that providers must provide more education and more guidance on what are the consequences of the decision you make when you retire, when you take out money from your retirement pots. Mm -hmm. And that's a great legislation that's basically helping people understanding what they're doing. So, you know, we need to be grateful to some extent that we do have a regulator here, which is very proactive in terms of mm. helping people on retirements. Now, the situation obviously can be more complex than that. You know, it's not helping that you have an instability at the government level, because obviously from a provider's perspective, you want some visibility on yeah. the legislation. If it changes all the time, then it's a huge challenge. So we, we talked about the impact of not having transparency, the impact of people not saving enough. But largely speaking, it all comes down to one thing, which is which is financial stress. We live in a world today where technology has so many positive benefits, but also creates so many negative benefits as well around mental health. And I think the, the financial technology industry has a responsibility to try and alleviate financial stress in, in some respect, which I don't think it's doing yet personally. Abaca is obviously trying to solve that. How much do you prioritize helping solve financial stress? And are there other initiatives that Abaca are involved in to try and alleviate that? So financial stress is at the core of what the technology delivers for our enterprise clients. And for a simple reason, financial wellness is extremely important for individuals and employees to do their job properly, right? So if you're an employer, you're providing financial benefits to your employees. So at Abaca, we provide pensions, you provide healthcare, you provide a range of solutions to your employees. If they don't understand the value of it, and if that offering is not helping and improving their financial wellness, then it's a bit disappointing. Specifically, you know, on pension, your employer contributes on your pensions. People don't even know that employers are helping them save into retirement and so sometimes they opt out sometimes they just uh, don't take advantage of the benefits that is offered by mm. employees so you know just by raising awareness just by providing information you can actually usually reduce that financial stress because you realize that actually well i have more money than what i thought or it's easier to achieve the objective that i wanted to achieve than what I thought. Mm -hmm. um, and so, for example, one very simple feature on our technology, which is extremely powerful, is to show to individuals how much you need to save to plug your gap for retirement, which is quite, you know, trying to figure out, okay, today you have your objective. You want to retire at 68, I don't know, maybe 65. 
and you want to have X amount as a retirement income. Now, how do you figure out how to achieve this objective? It's very simple. It should be very simple. Mm. You know, and so you, you, should you get have a retirement calculator, is that? So you have a chatbot, Eva, your financial coach, and she's here to act as your personal assistant and she can give you all the answers in an instant. You know, you just ask these specific questions. Awesome. She runs the numbers for you. She can talk to you. It's a chat page system, so you can access it, you know, across all channels. You can be on Facebook Messenger. You could be on WhatsApp. You can be on your desktop at the office. You can be on Slack. You can be on Skype, whatever that is. And do, but, do you have to be using a product with one of your partners or could I go onto your website today and experience Ava? We're an enterprise platform, so we yeah. sell our technology to providers. Yeah. And so if you're lucky enough to be on one of these providers, I don't know who's the pension provider at Motive Partners, but yeah. then if they work with our technology, then you will access it. I wondered if, uh, yeah, <laughs> if, you had, if you had it on your website like a marketing tool. But, um, no. Very cool. So... Let's get back to the entrepreneurial side of things. Our listeners love to hear about personal journeys. Obviously, funding is always a big topic. What's been your experience with fundraising? You said that you have former business partners invested. Who else have you got who's part of the journey? So we have a number of institutional investors, uh, private investors and corporates. We are on our Series A, which we just closed. So we did the first one, Angel Round, Seed Round, and Series A, as we call it in the industry. Mm -hmm. Our very first investor was one of my best friends, Karim Sharif, who's a private equity fund manager. He's got his private equity fund covering the Middle East. And then very quickly, a large institutional investor, so Antimis, mm -hmm. uh, which is a large VC specialized in fintech. And when we did our first fundraise, and that really what I would recommend any entrepreneur to do is to go through uh, the list of potential investors and, and VCs, etc., and found out who is really going to help you build and scale the business. Yeah. And that's something that is always on my mind when I talk to investors. We're not interested in taking cash. We're interested in people that can bring value and that can help us build the business. Antimis has a huge ecosystem in the financial industry. And so, you know, it was very important for us to work with them and be connected in a way. What's your board comprised of? Have you got a, a formalized board? Sure. Yes. So we have a, a proper board with a number of independent directors, as well as board directors representing both investors and other stakeholders. I think, you know, it's it's key also as, you know, an enterprise solution to underline this point. Uh, governance is extremely important in what we do. And so obviously, although we are still kind of between the startup and scale-up level, you need to make sure that you have a structure in place which demonstrate that you are a very sustainable and credible business. So in terms of governance, board, investors, uh, procedures as well, and, and policies within the company, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. We've spoken about the entrepreneurial side. Let's do a little bit of forecasting. Some people don't like this question, but I, I tend to ask it anyway. Fast forward 10 years, where's Abaca in 10 years' time? 
Well, we are a large enterprise solution for digital financial applications. We have an office in the US, we have an office in Asia, we have an office in Europe. We do have already offices, by the way, <laughs> in Europe, and we are opening soon in, in the US and in Asia. And yeah, we are, we are doing a big IPO on the NASDAQ. We've got a range of both tier one and tier two clients, and hopefully we can help, more importantly, millions and millions of people saving more for retirement. So I've now got 10 years to convince you to list on the London Stock Exchange rather than NASDAQ. Sure. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm only kidding. Well, you know, you always need to change your mind when you're an entrepreneur. So I'm ready to listen to your always arguments. Always open to changing your mind. Uh, but on that point, actually, and, and that's probably to your previous question on fundraising and the experience on raising money, you know, the big challenge in Europe is that you are at a point where there's not enough funding. If you look at the uh, the amount of fundraising in the world, 60% of funds are coming from the US for US and global companies, 40% from Asia, and only 10% in Europe. Mm -hmm. So for businesses in Europe, it's really challenging. Yeah, And so unfortunately, a lot of companies are looking at raising money elsewhere, US or Asia. And so that's a key issue in Europe. That's something that we need to change and yeah. you guys need to change, right? Well, we're working on it, doing our best. <laughs> cool. We're going to finish with the same question. I always do it because I love it. I've had many, the real privilege of having many great mentors, some fantastic women and men throughout my career who've helped guide me. Who have some of your role models and mentors been? It's a tough question because throughout my life, since I was a child, I never had anyone who basically helped me. I always had to achieve things by myself. And so in that extent, I'm very independent. Mm -hmm. And it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. I read a lot. So right now, for example, uh, read two books, one from uh, Mark Binoff, uh, Salesforce, mm -hmm. and Reid Hoffman, LinkedIn, on how yeah. to scale businesses. So these are two companies that I really admire and are inspiring and two very successful entrepreneurs that are really very impressive. So I'm going to do a bit of French here, <laughs> if you don't mind. There's a quote from a French uh, philosopher, Montaigne. We are like bees. You need to take information from everywhere and digest this information, get knowledge from everywhere and build yourself and learn from others and you become better at what you're doing. So I don't have a specific mentor, but I'm looking around at every single places where I can find valuable uh, knowledge. I love that. Learning from everywhere. Awesome. Well, Fahad, it's been a real pleasure having you on today. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. And thank you actually for solving a very real problem. Uh, not every entrepreneur we meet is really doing that. This is clearly something you're hugely passionate about. It's something I have a much better understanding of because of some of the work I've done, but also now because of this conversation. So thank you. And I look forward to seeing where Abaca goes and its IPO in probably less than 10 years. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for your time. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time.
The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motive partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.